There have been some very big changes to the broader U.S. equity market over the past decade. Perhaps one of the most apparent and most discussed is the rise of information technology and the dominance of megacap technology. IT makes up nearly 30% of the Russell 1000 index, and if you look at the Russell 1000 growth index, that increases all the way to 44.5%. And the big five represent more than 35% of that. That's right, five stocks make up more than 35% of that total index. That is huge growth, and it's in a very select part of the market. And that also is what I consider to be meaningful concentration. However, the increase in concentration has also occurred down the market cap spectrum, notably in small caps. And the growth in concentration within small cap indices has led to some meaningful distortions in performance, both of the index and for active managers. Today, I'm joined by Peter Crivelli, Senior Vice President at Carillon Tower Advisors, who hears nearly every day from institutional consultants about their thoughts on the market, asset allocation, and the performance of active managers. We're going to change things up a little bit today, and this time around, I'm going to let Peter take over the hosting duties, and I'm going to sit in the hot seat to answer his questions. This is Markets in Focus from Carillon Tower Advisors. I'm your host, Matt Orton. Join me and my colleagues as we discuss the latest trends and developments driving the markets. Visit us at marketsinfocuspodcast.com for additional episodes and insights. All right, Peter, are you ready to kick things off? I am, Matt, and thank you. I'm glad to have you on the hot seat, and I'm glad you're willing to share your thoughts with our listeners. As you've just said, we've seen increased concentration in large caps, especially in those largest IT companies. It seems like this has occurred pretty quickly. Maybe you can lay out how we got there and what you've seen managers doing to address this as a result. Yeah, absolutely. And really, the spike in mega cap technology has occurred over the past few years, but the increase in information technology, and I would say the other growthier sectors like consumer discretionary and communication services, that has been a much more gradual process that has been taking place really since the end of the financial crisis in 2008-2009. You've seen, I'd say, the more value parts of the market decrease from about 50% down to less than 30% of the S&P 500 today, while growth has seen really the opposite. It's increased from around 30% and now makes up over 50% of the market. And that's, that's been a pretty gradual process over the past 10, 11 years. But the spike that we've seen in mega cap technology dominating the indices, that's been a much more recent phenomenon that really started with the massive outperformance of, I'd say, the highest duration assets, really big growth companies over the past three to four years. We've seen it happen with a number of big names. I'd say the most recent example of which is is Tesla. It's become a ubiquitous part of the market and now makes up a much larger part of the overall benchmark. And what's noticeable, Peter, that I'll point out is that active managers have struggled in the large cap space, and it's been largely due to the dominance of these names. It's important to know that the 
change towards growth has been gradual, but the increase in concentration specifically towards a handful of names at the top, that has been much more recent. Thanks, Matt. I appreciate you setting the stage with talking about large capitalization stocks, but concentration in small caps has also been a factor. Can you highlight the increase in concentration in small caps? Yeah, and that's a great point, Peter, that, that there, there is concentration in small caps, and it really doesn't receive as much attention as the changes that we've seen up market cap. But it's been pretty dramatic, the changes that we've seen in small caps. If I start with small cap value, the financial sector makes up over 26% of the Russell 2000 value index, and the next largest sector is over 12% smaller than that. So you can see there's a meaningful concentration towards financials. And if we flip to the growth side, concentration is even more prevalent, notably in healthcare. Healthcare makes up nearly 30% of the Russell 2000 growth. Information technology also makes up a pretty big weight at 22%. So you've got two sectors in the Russell 2000 growth index that make up over 50% of the benchmark weight. And the concentration is evident also at the industry level. So it's not just at the sector level. If we go to the small cap value again within the Russell 2000 value index, banks make up 15% of small cap values, while REITs take up 11%. So you can see very meaningful concentration at the industry level. If you look at the growth side, this is probably where there's some similar extreme examples. You see biotechnology sitting at 13% of the index right now, and software making up about 11%. So when you collectively think about that, most of those industries are bigger than a lot of the sectors in the benchmark itself. So that, to me, is some meaningful concentration. Thanks, Matt. Has this concentration occurred gradually, or is this just a more recent phenomenon? So I think that's where we see some differences start to emerge when you split growth and value. So going back to the small cap value, the Russell 2000 value index, financials and banks have been pretty consistent with respect to their weight over time. If I go back all the way to 2001, their weights have been pretty stable and the weights today are nearly the same as they were over two decades ago. So there's been stability in that concentration. But When we look at growth, really the weight of biotechnology and healthcare, that's what's increased most dramatically just over the past handful of years. 20 years ago, biotechnology was less than 10% of the Russell 2000 growth, and it stayed this way largely through, I think it's about 2013. Uh, And biotechnology had a remarkable year of performance in 13, and that's when we started to see the weight increase, and it's been relentless ever since then. At the end of the first quarter of 2021, biotechnology comprised over half of the total healthcare weight in the index, and together with pharmaceuticals, it comprised nearly 66% of the healthcare sector, so very, very concentrated. Biopharma collectively peaked at nearly 22% of the Russell 2000 growth index earlier this year. And the only reason that it decreased is because some of those names exploded higher and were reconstituted out of the index into mid caps. So you've seen really extreme growth in concentration in the small cap growth part of the market. Technology 
has also grown meaningful in weight within the Russell 2000 growth over the past few years. And it's largely been the result of really strong performance in software and semiconductors. So you've had good performance, again, really since growth took off within the market post-2017, and you've seen meaningful growth in those sectors as well. So it's been more stable in value and a lot more strong in growth. And what I would say is is the strong price appreciation that you've seen within healthcare and information technology. Uh, it causes an increase in valuations. And then you get a tsunami of new deal issuance in these areas. And that helps to keep the weights on the rise, even when you have changes around reconstitution. Thank you, Matt. Biotech or biopharma, as you put it, is worth a deeper dive. It's a uniquely American industry and has really gained a lot of attention in the last 18 months or so. Why do you think biotech has grown so much and is this a sustainable trend? Yeah, you know, biotechnology, Peter, is different today than it was 20 or 10 or even five years ago. And overall, I think the space has matured and is more than a collection of just highly speculative microcap companies that oftentimes I think uh, we, we tend to think of it as. Between 2019 and 2020, biotech saw double-digit annual growth in fundraising from venture capitals, or VCs as I'll call it, and deals such as partnerships, co-developments, and joint ventures. Uh, you also saw triple-digit growth in IPOs just over the past year. So you know, that's extreme growth very, very recently. And venture capital activity in particular has really increased over the years, and it just continues to grow at a torrid pace. In 2020 alone, venture capital activity in biotechs grew by 45%, and it took the 2020 global total to $36.6 billion. U.S. biotechnology, and as you pointed out, it, it is a pretty American industry. U.S. biotechs by far and away led on investments, but we're starting to see an increase in activity in Europe and also in China. In China, I think this is interesting, the number of funding rounds for VCs grew four times faster than in Europe and the United States. So you're definitely starting to see some increased interest overseas, but it's still a very small portion of overseas small cap indices. So I think another good question to ask then is what's driving all of the interest that VCs have in biotech? And as I mentioned a minute ago, I believe that a lot of VC investors believe that biotech has matured as a business and that it carries lower risk than it did in the early days. I think others might say that it has suffered from chronic underinvestment in the past and it's starting to play catch up. I certainly wouldn't disagree with that. And I think another important point to make is that investments in the industry are partly driven around the need to diversify VC portfolios just from around information technology. Um, you're also starting to see more institutional consultants allocating to alternatives. And some of that then goes into the VC space, which then goes into biotechnology as part of that allocation. So, you know, I think VCs have, have definitely been a key driver of some of that increase. But we've also seen a big increase in IPO activity, and that's increased the number of companies that have been entering the benchmark. 
IPO fundraising, I believe, brought in just over $34 billion in 2020 alone, which represents an increase of 186% over the previous years. So just a ton of growth all around. Thanks, Matt. My next question is on the quality factor and profitability. Many of our listeners are aware of the large number of loss-making companies in the Russell small cap indices. Has the growth in biotech and in software driven the increase in loss-making companies? Yeah, it absolutely has. And I would say that the increased concentration that you've seen in biotechnology and software uh, has definitely uh, had a big impact on profitability and I would say quality. Non-earners right now compose almost 35% of the Russell 2000 index, and they make up over 41% of the Russell 2000 growth. And to your point, Peter, not surprisingly, the decline in profitability starts to increase as biotech starts to increase in weight around 2013, and you really saw both of them take off over the past couple of years. Um, And believe it or not, the Russell 2000 growth peaked at nearly 45% non-earners earlier this year when you saw that peak in biopharma weight within the index. So that's almost half of the weight of the benchmark in loss-making companies. And and it's definitely a direct result of the spike that you've seen in weight in biotech and also software over the past few years. And and to address another point, because you mentioned quality, I think it's worth noting that, you know, being a loss-making company isn't necessarily a bad thing. A lot of software companies will plow back revenues, reinvesting into their businesses to drive more and accelerating top-line growth. And in those cases, it's okay to be loss-making. But in some other cases, in many biotech companies in particular, the loss-makers there have a very different profile. There really aren't any tangible revenues to speak of. They're dependent on fundraising. You know, I almost call them publicly funded science projects. And granted, they have very meaningful implications for health, and it's a fantastic place to find and develop future drugs that are going to be very, very important for global health. But the profile of these companies is vastly different. And those types of loss makers are very different from, say, the loss makers that you tend to get in software or semiconductors or other, I'd say, growth pockets of the market. Thanks, Matt. I think the next question is whether the increase in loss making companies is driven by increased concentration. How has this impacted the small cap space? Yeah, so I think that's a good question. And and you've seen the increased concentration, the increase in loss-making companies have an impact on overall performance. And, and given the, the record rallies we saw in the Russell 2000 in the fourth quarter of last year, the first quarter of this year, it might not appear that it's had too negative of an impact, but I would, would say that it's much more nuanced than what you might see on the surface. And I think that's also why small caps have largely been treading water up until very, very recently since February of this year. So, you know, we all know that information technology that has performed very well over the past few years, and in particular, software companies and the highest growth, longest duration assets have really been rewarded by investors. And so that has definitely helped small cap performance and especially small cap growth performance. And last year, biotech 
perform pretty darn well too. And the focus on the need for innovation around COVID treatments and vaccines all provided some additional tailwinds. But the performance is incredibly volatile. So you saw, like I'd mentioned before, the Russell 2000 posted its best performance on record in the fourth quarter of last year, and it posted its second best quarter of performance in the first quarter of this year. But biotech has meaningly underperformed and software has also started to be hit a little bit hard. And so that's led to performance volatility. And you've seen that continue well into this year. Profitable companies across the Russell 2000, the Russell 2000 value, and the Russell 2000 growth have logged pretty similar returns. They've been up between 14 and 18% year to date. But loss makers, they have meaningly underperformed, and particularly in the Russell 2000 growth, they're down 10% year-to-date, and they're dragging down the performance of the overall index. There's a meaningful performance gap so far this year between the Russell 2000 value and the Russell 2000 growth, and you don't see anywhere near as wide of a gap up market cap, and it's largely because of the volatility you've seen in particular biotechnology and the concentration that you have in the small cap space. I would lay the blame on biotech so far this year, and that sort of volatility is definitely something that you want to pay attention to going forward. Thanks, Matt. You've addressed the benchmarks, but how have active managers fared? What are they doing to help them perform in this environment? Is this a potential risk going forward? Yeah, so active managers have have held up pretty well down the market cap spectrum. And interestingly, active managers have been faring the best in the small cap growth space. So ironically, in the areas where we have the, the, the highest concentration down market cap, you've been seeing the best performance from active managers. And it's pretty interesting because active managers have been taking very large sector and industry bets. It's evident in growth and it's evident in value. I would point out value managers have kind of been leaning into growth. On average, uh, value managers are overweight consumer discretionary by almost 5%. They're overweight information technology, in particular software, and they're underweight biotechnology and healthcare within the value index. So by and large, they're leaning into growth. And on the flip side, small cap growth active managers are taking larger bets and seem to be leaning into value a little bit. They are decreasing their overweight to information technology. They're underweight healthcare meaningfully by over 4%. They're overweight industrials and they're overweight financials. And what I would note is that uh, throughout 2020, software was a very meaningful overweight, but it's now underweight by over 100 basis points. And that weight has been shifted into more valuey parts of the market like financials and industrials. But what really stands out is the underweight to biotechnology. The active underweight to biotech by small cap growth managers is over 700 basis points. And that has come down believe it or not, over the past couple of quarters. So it's a concentrated part of the market. It's a volatile part of the market. And it's interesting that active managers have been avoiding that space. And that's paid off pretty well for them because software, by and large, has done well. 
up until probably later last year, earlier this year's growth didn't perform as well. Biotechnology underperformed for a few years in the past, and its outperformance last year was largely offset by the overweights that active managers had to software and other parts of IT. So it's interesting when you look But the underperformance of biotechnology, just taking this year alone, I believe biotech is down about 13% in the Russell 2000 growth. And you couple that with that very, very large underweight, 91% of small cap growth active fund managers outperformed the benchmark in the third quarter of 2021. And on a one-year basis, 67% are outperforming. That's the highest across all nine style boxes. And at sort of weight away from the concentrated parts of the market or the most concentrated part of the market has definitely paid off. And small cap growth managers are by far and away outperforming everyone else across the style boxes. And it largely comes down to these very, very large sector bets that they have been taking. So whenever we speak with clients, we always like to remind them that it really, it's important to understand the concentration that you have in the benchmark. And it's also important to understand what active managers are doing and how they're getting their performance. Well, thank you, Matt, for sharing that. And we'd like to keep the conversation going But that's about all the time we have today. Do you have any final words you want to add, Matt? Thanks, Peter. I've definitely enjoyed the conversation. And again, I'll thank all of our listeners for tuning in. And until next time, take care. Thanks for listening to Markets in Focus from Carillon Tower Advisors. Please find additional episodes and market insights at marketsinfocuspodcast.com. You can also subscribe to our podcast on Apple Podcasts, Spotify, or your favorite podcast app. Until next time, I'm Matt Orton. Podcasts are for informational purposes only. This channel is not monitored by Carillon Tower Advisors. Please visit marketsinfocuspodcast.com for additional disclosure. This material is a general communication being provided for information purposes only. It is educational in nature and not designed to be taken as advice or a recommendation for any specific investment product, strategy, plan feature, or other purpose in any jurisdiction, nor is it a commitment from Carillon Tower Advisors or any of its affiliates to participate in any of the transactions mentioned herein. Any examples used are generic, hypothetical, and for illustration purposes only. This material does not contain sufficient information to support an investment decision, and you should not rely on it in evaluating the merits of investing in any securities or products. In addition, Users should make an independent assessment of the legal, regulatory, tax, credit, and accounting implications and make their own determinations together with their own professionals in those fields. Any forecasts, figures, opinions, or investment techniques and strategies set out are for information purposes only based on certain assumptions and current market conditions and are subject to change without prior notice. All information presented herein is considered to be accurate at the time of production, but no warranty of accuracy is given and no liability in respect of any error or omission is accepted. It should be noted that investment involves risks. The value of investments and the income from them may fluctuate in accordance with market conditions and taxation agreements, and investors may not get back the full amount invested. Both past performance and yields are not reliable indicators of current and future results. Past performance does not guarantee or indicate future results. There is no guarantee that these investment strategies will work under all market conditions, and each investor should evaluate their ability to invest for the long term, especially during periods of downturn in the market. Investing involves risk and may incur a profit or loss. Investment returns and principal value will fluctuate so that an investor's portfolio, when redeemed, may be worth more or less than their original cost. Diversification does not ensure a profit or guarantee against loss. 